Adams on Agriculture brought to you by Cenex Premium Diesel. Cenex Premium Diesel, a more complete additive package for a more complete burn. Informing America's farmers and ranchers, this is AOA, produced by the American Ag Radio Network. Here's your host, Mike Adams. Hello, everyone, and welcome to AOA. Thank you so much for joining us, letting us be part of your day. As I always say, we appreciate it, and thank you for taking the time to join us. We have lots to talk about today, including this port backup situation, especially on the West Court coast we've talked about how it's impacted uh, the grain business the meat export business talk about how it impacts products coming in we're going to talk about how it impacts the dairy industry today we'll talk with shauna morris with the national milk producers federation we'll talk markets with steve nicholson grain and oil seeds analyst with rabo agrifinance and we'll get a harvest update we will talk with gene millard in the saint joe missouri area see how harvest is going there all that coming up but we're going to start it off with What looks like could be bad news for the biofuels industry. There are reports out there that the Biden administration is considering reductions to the nation's biofuel mandate, the RVO levels. Do you hear us talk about those? That's what's required, the levels that are set under the RFS each year for required usage of biofuels. And the reports are out there that those volumes will be reduced pretty significantly. Joining us now to talk about it, someone who watches this very closely, is Jarrett Renshaw with Reuters. Jarrett, thank you for joining us. Uh, you've been reporting on this. What can you tell us? Um, so what we reported yesterday is that the, uh, the EPA sent over to the White House or the Office of Management and Budget um, proposals for the RVOs, one, a retroactive one for 2020, uh, 2021 and then uh, prospectively 2022. Um, and what we're seeing is that the, the volumes are significantly lower um, than expected, particularly in 2020 and 2021. Um, you know, they're going to they're retroactively lowering the volumes for 2020. And the argument they're going to make is that um, they're going to match demand, the actual uh, yeah, actual demand with with the RVO. Um, and they're going to cite the slowdown here with COVID, um, which was, you know, there was a legitimate slowdown in, in fuel consumption um, in 2020, as you can imagine. And so, 2021, that the numbers I'm seeing, 2020 could be revised to 17.1 billion gallons, 2021, 18.6, 2022 at 20.7. Are those the numbers you're seeing? Yep, 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 yep. Exactly. exactly. Okay, so. So if the rationale is, um, you know, lower usage, what about supposedly the administration concerns about higher fuel prices to the point they even ask OPEC to produce more oil when uh, we know that ethanol uh, is lower at the pump and it would seem to use more of that, it would lower prices? Yeah, yeah. I think they've had some mixed messages on this front. Um, I think it's very clear they are not embracing ethanol. Uh, I mean, I think the, you know, we should just point that out, right? There's there's nothing I've seen that I say uh, that they have a pro-ethanol position. You know, we've talked about this before. Clearly, EVs are there. I think they see the future for ethanol in uh, shipping and in uh, airplanes, um, aviation. But, you know, even there, it's not a, uh, a clean path. So... Yeah, I think the, the easiest way to understand it is that this administration at the current time has, give, uh, has given no reason to believe that, you know, they see ethanol as kind of any one of the solutions. And we're even even seeing that in Congress in the uh, Democrats' uh, $3.5 trillion reconciliation package. It puts electric vehicles at the forefront, not biofuels, when it comes uh, to the climate change issue and how they want to deal with it. Yeah, no doubt about it. Uh, you'll, you'll see, um, you know, to the extent that you get this over the finish line, right? Um, the, 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 the current framework certainly puts a lot of money into the EV infrastructure. Um, and there is really no, no reliance on, on biofuels at the moment. Um, uh, again, we have the, the Sustainable Aviation Fuel Tax Credit, which is a significant. Um, and there are some promises that there will be some additional pathways for ethanol and, and, and similar products to get into that market. 
but uh, you know that's we're still far away from there, um, and there's some concerns about the way the tax credit is structured um, that may may make it really prohibitive for folks, um, farmers in particular, to get access to. So I think the the big takeaway here is what you said earlier. This administration has certainly chosen other forms, uh, whether it's electric vehicles, or whatever, uh, given them priority over ethanol and biofuels as far as how they want to go about dealing with climate change. No doubt about it. I mean, I think they, I think they would argue maybe advanced biofuels. They've certainly tried to give a leg up to, um, but there is nothing that I have seen that come out has been, uh, you know, super pro ethanol. And Gina McCarthy, who is, has a big voice and has, has history. She's not a, somebody who is, uh, who has the history of, um, supporting ethanol. Um, you know, and Biden himself has, has some, you know, some history there um, as well. And the last time they tried to lower the volumes, it was, uh, you know, as a result of, you know, Biden's interference um, as vice president. So there is a history here. So, you know, we'll have to see how this all plays out. The numbers can change. As you know, Mike, once these numbers get out there, senators and lawmakers start applying pressure. And, you know, we never know how that, that happens. I will say this. I do think it's noticeable that Democrats have not really spoken out like we saw some of the Republicans with Trump. I, I mean, Senator Grassley and Senator Ernst weren't, you know, they were careful what they said, but they certainly didn't hide their feelings um, and, and were, you know, in the White House calling meetings and actually slowing some things down. I don't know if we'll see that from the Democratic side. Yeah, that's going to be interesting because some of these Democrats will be running in the midterms, right, and in some rural districts where ethanol biofuels are uh, are important issues. Yeah, no doubt. Uh, yeah, I mean, that's something I'm watching. Um, I have not seen much, um, even privately, um, in talking to their staff. Um, there, there, there's not the level of agitation that I got when I was talking to the Ernst and, and the Grassleys when that, when that, there was a Republican in office. So we'll, we'll see. That may change. Um, you know, sometimes it's right to say, let's just see what the actual numbers are instead of what they, you know, what you think they may be, right? So there's some of that. Um, but, yeah, that's something to watch. We'll see, we'll see if the Democrats try to move the needle here. When do you think these numbers will be released? Uh, I don't know, uh, Mike. I, I, uh, I still convinced that they, there's no reason... There's no, there's no incentive right now to kind of get these people mad at you when you're trying to get this reconciliation bill. So I, I think that stuff has to get settled before you actually see some public numbers um, that the administration puts out. But that is just my instinct. That's not report. You know, uh, that's just mm-hmm. my thought. I, I just can't see how they would do it. Very interesting. All right, Jared, as always, appreciate uh, you taking time to be with us, and uh, we'll be watching your reporting on this. Thank you. All right. Take me. Take care. Jarrett Renshaw with Reuters. So it looks like, indeed, if these reports are correct, the RBO numbers are going to be much lower. And if you're looking which way the Biden administration is choosing, it's not going to be on the side of biofuels. And what will the response be? We know what the response will be from the biofuels industry and supporters. What about those in the Democratic Party that are in rural areas? We'll see what their response is as well. Stay with us. This is AOA. Adams on Agriculture brought to you by Cenex Premium Diesel. Cenex Premium Diesel. Diesel that doesn't mess around. Choose the proven performance of the Roundup Ready Extend crop system, featuring high-yielding Extend Flex soybeans and the exceptional weed control of Extend to Max herbicide with vapor grip technology. Elite genetics, triple herbicide tolerance, flexibility that delivers results, backed by 25 years of innovation. That's the Roundup Ready Extend crop system, the system of choice. Extend to Max is a restricted-use pesticide. Always follow stewardship practices, all pesticide label directions, and check with your state pesticide regulatory agency for specific restrictions in your state. They say if you listen hard enough, you can hear the corn grow. It's true. When you're out in the field, you understand its challenges and what it needs to thrive. Channel Seedsmen bring insights from the field to our team of Bayer plant breeders. Their knowledge inspires our product development. 
From your best ground to your most challenging conditions, our products are designed to perform in your fields. Visit ChannelListens.com to see our latest innovations. Always read and follow IRM where applicable. Grain marketing and all other stewardship practices and pesticide label directions. Progressive Farmer knows you need content delivered on multiple platforms, so it's available when you want it. That's why we've created our weekly podcast, Field Posts, to bring you convenient and easy-to-listen-to interviews on key topics and trends. Join me, Sarah Mock, as I interview some of agriculture's best thoughts. You'll have a front row seat to learn what's happening in agriculture today. You can view our library of podcasts and upcoming topics by going to dtnpf.com backslash field posts. These acres you've put your life into, your view each harvest morning. While the ag industry changes, this land is meant to be here for your grandkids and then theirs. That's why ADS and drainage contractors across the nation are doing our part to protect America's farm families. We're proud to provide water management solutions that make family farms like yours more profitable, now and for generations to come. Learn more about how we keep families farming at ADSPipe.com. I'll take dig a little, learn a lot for 30 bushels. Soft and crumbly. Tom. How does healthy soil feel to the touch? Correct. Dig a little for 40 bushels. Sweet and earthy. Tom. What does healthy soil smell like? Yes, go again. Dig a little for 50 bushels. Dark, porous, and alive. Tom. What does healthy soil look like? You win. Understanding the basics and benefits of healthy soil can make your farm a winner, too, through lower input costs, better yields, and drought protection, which can lead to a healthier bottom line for your business. Contact your local Natural Resources Conservation Service office today to find out how you can unlock the secrets in your soil. This message brought to you by USDA's Natural Resources Conservation Service and this radio station. Adams on Agriculture brought to you by Cenex Premium Diesel. With Cenex Premium Diesel, you can count on a diesel that will keep your operation in top shape. Information America's farmers and ranchers need to know on AOA. Now, back to Mike Adams. Well, we've been talking for some time now about the backup at West Coast Ports and the problems that that is causing. We've got a lot of product coming into this country. We've got a lot of uh, uh, backup there trying to get product out. And we've talked about how it affects grains, how it affects meat exports, and a number of other things. Well, today we're going to take a look. How does it impact the dairy industry? Joining us now is Shauna Morris, Senior Vice President, Trade Policy for the National Milk Producers Federation. Shauna, thanks for joining us. Uh, how does that West Coast situation affect U.S. dairy? Thanks for having me, Mike. Uh, well, it's been a huge headache for our dairy exporters all year. Uh, in fact, dating into the end of last year, even too. And although we'd hope that the problems that our exporters are dealing with in terms of these higher shipping fees and container availability would have started to improve by this point, we're just not seeing that. Uh, in fact, things have been getting worse over the summer. Getting worse. Yeah. And this has been, as you said, been going on for some time. Uh, kind of describe what that situation is there. I mean, I've heard it described as like a, just a big uh, parking lot that's full. I mean, you've got containers there, you can't get things out, and, and it's just a long waiting line. Is that it? I'd say that's a pretty apt description of it. Uh, you have a number of ships uh, that are simply unable to get access to the terminals uh, that are effectively waiting in line because there's not enough capacity there. Um, a huge uptick in import demand, in particular into the U.S., has been one of those big drivers of it. For our exporters, though, the challenges they've been dealing with have been the higher prices getting charged to be able to move product out the door, volatility of being able to get product on the ships and kind of hit a, a needle pinpoint of requirements to do that, and then most importantly, just the availability. And a big piece of what's driving that last life is that you have so many of these shipping companies sending empty containers back out the door. In July, that was 70% of the containers leaving the U.S. entirely empty. Product, containers that could have been carrying our dairy products to a number of those Asian markets. 
at some point, doesn't this hurt our reputation and credibility as a reliable supplier? That's exactly our concern here. Uh, and in frank, and frankly, is a worry that we've been hearing about, uh, particularly in the Southeast Asia region. That's a really important export destination for us uh, that is very, very hungry, needs to import a lot of it, and they've been great U.S. customers. Uh, but especially in the last few months, uh, that's where we've been seeing sales take the hit, especially for things like our skim of powder exports. Uh, so we have not just a near-term problem, but as we look down the road to that credibility as a consistent supplier piece, uh, potential worries about how this impacts our export opportunities in the years to come as well. That's why we've been really so focused on working to put pressure on Congress and the administration at the same time uh, to get busy tackling this issue and improving the situation. You know, it shows that sometimes we do take things for granted. I mean, we work, and rightfully so, so hard on developing markets and, and, and getting those exports lined up. We sometimes take for granted our ability to get those uh, products to those customers that are willing to buy. And now that's very much at risk here. And it's obviously very costly. And it's taken so long. Why has it taken so long, Shauna? And what's it going to take to break through this? Yeah. Um, well, I'd say probably part of why it's taken so long to break through and really see some improvements here is that the issues are complicated for sure. Uh, the legislation, for instance, that we're supporting that was introduced in the House to help deal with this issue, the Ocean Shipping Reform Act has a number of different provisions so that you're working to try to tackle the problem from all of the different ends versus pushing on one piece of it and just seeing it bulge out in a different direction. Uh, but definitely some of the most important policy steps forward here would be reining in some of the practices by the shipping carriers to comply with uh, the types of more reasonable uh, fee application procedures that the Federal Maritime Commission outlined should be followed last year. And in particular, tackling this issue of the empty containers and, and such a high proportion of them going back. So we think that would be positive. We also think there's other steps that could be taken just by the administration in the meantime, though, while that legislation works its way through the congressional process. We're talking with Shauna Morris with the National Milk Producers Federation about the West Coast port backup. Well, how, how high a priority is it for the administration? Uh, are we seeing any action by them on this? We've seen some steps taken to date. Uh, I'll say not as many as we want to see to actually uh, solve this issue and get all the way there, uh, but definitely the outcry from our dairy industry, from a number of the other impacted ag sectors, as well as others across the economy, has moved this up to the White House's attention level uh, with a port star appointed within the supply chain task force uh, tasked with dealing with these types of issues. Uh, so, for instance, we saw the president issue a declaration a few months ago directing the Federal Maritime Commission uh, to take firmer steps on enforcement measures. Uh, we've also seen the Department of Transportation directed to be looking at these supply chain problems as well. And they indicated uh, they issued a notice just recently that they're opening up a public comment period uh, to get input on what should be done here and what are the types of problems. Like anything in Washington, those wheels turn slowly, but the most important piece hmm. is working to make sure that you have it as high up on that radar screen as possible uh, so that all the different pieces on the administration side and on the congressional side begin to first recognize there's a problem and then slowly turn forward to begin to address it. And I'd say that's where we are now with progress beginning, but not yet where we need to get to. Wow. I, I always kind of shudder when I hear opening up a public comment period, because that always sounds to me like a long process <laughs> before anything really gets done. Uh, so we'll see what happens. But it, it sure seems like, and I've been saying this for weeks and weeks now in talking with people about this issue, that it's going to take a long, best case scenario, it'll take a long time to, to uh, straighten it out and get things moving again. And there's such a backlog. How long could it take? If things don't change, it certainly could take uh, into the next year, if not the following, before we see these kind of commercial wow. issues 
sort themselves out. Uh, to us, that really points to why it's so urgent to change the policy environment here, because what we have is broken, clearly. We need to change the regulations and the policy environment to deal with that and help fix it sooner. Wow. Yeah, you can. we can make all the sales in the world, but if we can't deliver, it doesn't it won't work, right? I mean, it didn't, people eventually will start looking elsewhere if that becomes uh, continues to be a problem. That's certainly the worry. I have to give a shout out here, though, to our exporters who have just been doing yeoman's work for the last several, several months here uh, to move heaven and earth to get these products out the door. Yeah, as I mentioned earlier, we are seeing some impacts of it, especially in that Southeast Asia market. Uh, we're seeing a lot longer shipping times. Uh, but the fact that year-to-date dairy exports are in as strong a position as they are right now is a testament to those companies and the poor overworked staffers pulling their hair out to try to figure out how they comply, pay these extra fees. That's only sustainable for so long, though. Uh, and that's why we're so focused on this issue. Yeah, we talk about problems with the supply chain. We usually think about getting what we need. We probably haven't thought enough about uh, sending what we need to send to these customers. Right, exactly. That's that's very much where our focus is in helping make sure that we're turning up the visibility to the outflow piece of this, because I think there's been a fair amount of media coverage on the inflow piece into the U.S., uh, but that's a, a huge faucet versus the trickle we're seeing uh, headed back out the door. Well, we all talk all the time about the importance of exports, and where would we be without our exports? Well, if you can't ship you can't get the product delivered, then you're going to be without some of those exports. So there's a lot on the line here, isn't there, Shauna? Absolutely. The stakes are really strong. Uh, I'd say for anyone that is concerned about this, uh, we certainly would welcome any additional support for this House legislation I mentioned, the Ocean Shipping Reform Act, encouraging members of Congress to sign on to that, support it, and move it forward. Uh, that helps move a solution closer and closer and at the same time puts additional pressure on the administration to take near-term action. All right, Shauna, thank you for the update. My pleasure. Thanks, Mike. All right, take care. Shauna Morris, Senior Vice President, Trade Policy for the National Milk Producers Federation. So this West Coast port backup has been going on for some time now. doesn't show much sign of uh, easing because the solutions seem like they'll take a long time. So this is a very serious issue. Up next, we will talk markets as we're into the harvest season. Steve Nicholson, Grain and Oil Seeds Analyst for Robo AgriFinance, joins us next on AOA. Cenex Premium Diesel comes with a more complete additive package for a more complete burn to optimize performance in all engines. Peak performance at harvest is a necessity. It's our expertise. Producers who look to have a successful harvest turn to FS. Our grain systems experts reduce downtime by offering the latest products, innovations, and knowledge to your grain operation. Whether you need a part in a hurry or advice on your equipment, we'll keep you running. At FS, we're always looking for ways to optimize your grain system and ensure during harvest your operation is ready for what's next. So visit FSSystem.com and let's get you headed towards your next success. FS, bringing you what's next. These acres you've put your life into, your view each harvest morning. While the ag industry changes, this land is meant to be here for your grandkids and then theirs. That's why ADS and drainage contractors across the nation are doing our part to protect America's farm families. We're proud to provide water management solutions that make family farms like yours more profitable, now and for generations to come. Learn more about how we keep families farming at ADSPipe.com. You're listening to AOA. I'm Kirsten Rawl. September 30th, the USDA will release its quarterly grain stocks report. Because stocks will be tighter than normal this year, the report may be more accurate. Ethanol production for the week ending September 17th was down 1.17% from the prior week and up 2.21% from the prior year. Stocks were up 0.5% from the prior week and up 0.57% from the prior year. Estimated corn used in production was just a little over $94 million 
bushels. On the board of trade this morning, we are seeing lower corn futures. The December contract down two and a half cent at 523. The March contract down two and a half cent at 530 and a half cent. For soybeans, the November contract a fraction higher at 1283. The January contract up three quarters of a cent at 1292 and a half cent. For wheat, Chicago wheat December up four and a half cent at 710. The Kansas City wheat December contract trading six and a fraction higher at 712 and a fraction. Minneapolis spring wheat December up seven cents at 910 and a half cent. The March contract trading six cents higher at 896 and three quarters. Cattle futures turned higher Wednesday as traders seem to be anticipating a friendly cattle on feed report. The current estimate for the report is on feed numbers to be 98.1 percent of the last year. Placements at 99.5 percent and marketings at 99.8 percent. USDA cold storage total pounds of beef in freezers were up 4 percent from the previous month and down 8 percent from the previous year. Looking at live cattle futures, the October contract trading 15 cents higher at 123.42, December up 37 at 128.92. For feeder cattle, October up 70 at 158.37, November up 97 at 159.20. In lean hogs, the October contract 55 cents higher at 84.40, the December contract $1.60 higher at 74.97. You're listening to AOA, I'm Kirsten Rawl. As an organ donor, your story doesn't have to end. The good in you can live on. In fact, you could save up to eight lives with your gifts. Your heart could keep beating. Your kidneys could keep filtering. And your intestines could keep on digesting for others. And that's not all. You can improve the lives of 50 more people as an eye and tissue donor. Restoring sight and health. And you're not just helping out the person receiving the transplant. You're touching whole families with your life-saving gift. Register in minutes. Just go to organdonor.gov. You'll be happy you did. And just maybe, someone else will be happy too. Sign up today. Go to organdonor.gov. It saves lives. U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, Health Resources and Services Administration. Adams on Agriculture brought to you by Cenex Premium Diesel. Cenex Premium Diesel, a more complete additive package for a more complete burn. Information America's farmers and ranchers need to know on AOA. Now, back to Mike Adams. Well, so far we've talked about... Uh, Bad news for the biofuels industry as the Biden administration looks to be ready to lower RVO levels uh, under the RFS. That's not good news for biofuels. And we just talked about the West Coast port backup that continues and doesn't look like an, any near solution on that. It's going to take quite a while still. That's a, a big problem. So let's turn to Steve Nicholson, Grain and Oilseeds Analyst for Robo AgriFinance, for some good news. Steve, you got us, got some good news for us? <laughs> well, I have some good news for you. Oh, I think so. I, I think that there's, um, you know, I, I think we have to kind of step back a little bit and think about this market and what's happened. And, and I, you know, I think that there is a lot of good news, and we have to kind of keep this all in perspective. You know, we've seen this market really move up, you know, all last spring and, and into early summer, and then we've seen this sort of long slog you know, and I'm, I'm going to say long slog down. It's certainly not what we saw the last seven years. So I think we need to keep that in perspective and keep in perspective how high the levels got. And keep in mind that in markets like that, you know, you have to, the bull has to be fed every day. And so, you know, the bull was not getting fed every day. There wasn't new purchases. There wasn't, you know, new supply issues or new weather issues. You know, all that became old news. And so the market sort of kind of said, Oh, I'm just tired of that. We give me something new to to move it higher. So I think we have to keep that. And I, and I have to tell you, I mean, it's a great question. It's a market I've thought a lot about. Um, but at the same time, you know, we've got some things that are concerning. But you have to remember the underlying fundamentals of this market are still strong. We still have relatively low stocks. Um, we have good demand. This, you know, particularly if you think about soybeans, people, you know, kind of, you know, wringing their hands about soybeans. The fact is, when you look at the soybean demand projected for next for this for this crop year, it's still the second largest on record, only after last year. And so, 
you know, that's, you know, that's a good news. You know, the concern is, of course, exports to China is not buying everything they bought last year. Of course, traders and farmers and human beings, we remember what happened last year and go, well, we've got to do it better than last year or we're not going to do it. And that's kind of what's happening is the market's looking to go, oh, it's not as good as last year. Well, we must take it down. But when you kind of strip all that away and look at what's happening and think about, you know, the demand side, the stock's position, and the fact, think about where prices are today, there's still good prices for farmers to, to lock in profit, profitability mm-hmm. for certainly this crop that you just raised. Um, and then you have to start looking ahead now. Um, and I think obviously the big concern on the horizon is is cost is crop input costs. Right. Well, let's look ahead then, because uh, there's going to be this yeah. big battle for acres next year. We know that. But if you're looking at expanding Absolutely. soybean acres, we know South America is expanding soybean acres, and they're starting to get some moisture right now at planting time. If they, uh, I mean, there's a potential there for a huge crop. So does that? kind of change the outlook next year for soybeans as far as if you're thinking about maybe more acres? Yeah, I, I think it does. And there's a couple things, that, and you, you bring up a good point about think about soybean acres for next year, is that one, you do have the Brazilian tidal wave potentially coming down the road at it. If, if the weather cooperates, the Nina doesn't get worse, um, all those sorts of things. And so you still have lots of questions about that crop. We're, we're just in planning, so let's keep that in mind. But the other thing with soybeans that's interesting, and I've done some work, we've done some preliminary work on margins for 22-23 crop and thinking about corn and soybeans, you know, in the heart of the corn belt. And it's interesting when you look at that, the margins for corn um, are better than they are for soybeans. Uh, the soybean margins are, are still positive, but they're pretty tight. And, you know, if you have any more costs associated with, you know, chemicals, um, herbicides, insecticides, any sort of fertilizer increase, which we've already had a lot of that, you know, that number and those, and I've tried to grind in some of that in those, in those budgets, you know, then that, that margin gets pretty squeezed pretty hard and you don't have much room for it to get squeezed. Where corn, you have a little bit more room for it to be squeezed. And so it, it does favor a little bit more corn right now looking at the margins. So, you know, if that's the case on soybeans and let's say producers look at that and go, you know, I'm not going to plant more soybeans than I planted this year. Then you have a situation set up where you know, kind of it's a double-edged sword. The U.S. sets up Brazil to take over more export share. At the same time, you know, U.S. farmers then pull back, or we don't increase soybean supplies. You keep exp- you keep ending stocks or stocks here in the U.S. of soybeans pretty tight. And keep in mind that there's this also this this wave of new crushing facilities coming on in, in North America, both in Canada and, and here in the United States, that will start to come online next year through 2024 and are going to demand more soybeans and keep, you know, keep more soybeans domestically. So there's a lot of things happening in oil seeds that, mm. are, that show potential for prices to stay well-supported, even though you have this huge crush, potential huge crush of soybeans coming from Brazil. Very interesting. All right, we're talking with Steve Nicholson, Grain and Oil Seeds Analyst for Robo AgriFinance. So we're in the early stages of harvest. So it's going to be interesting. Everyone kind of trying to match the what these harvest results are as they come in with the projections for this year's crop. It's going to be interesting to see where it all comes out. <laughs> yes, for sure. I, you know, I'm still, you know, everyone, and, you know, you and I were Farm Progress Show. It was good to see you. And everyone, you said, how's your crop? What's it look like? It's a good crop, but it's not a great crop. That was a typical quote. You probably heard that as well. And when you look at crop conditions and you look at old crop conditions, line them up against final yields, I still think USDA is a little bit high on soybeans and corn yields, to be honest with you. Um, I have heard a few early results, and it's you know, and it's post mostly out of, um, well, just kind of all of the Corn Belt. And generally, people are pretty pleased with their yields. Um, they're not they're not great, but they're they're good, solid yields. So I, I think the USDA will have to see what they come out in October, November. But you know, thinking about how wet it, you know, how dry it was early on, how dry it kept through the summertime, and then of course summer has got way too much rain as time went on and storm damage and stuff like that. We'll have to see how that shakes out. But I do think looking at crop condition ratings and mirroring them up to past years, I think USDA is still a little high. So as we um... 
make our way through this uh, this harvest season. Uh, where do you think we're at as far as um, sales are concerned? Do you think a lot of this crop has already been booked, or is, uh, how much do you think farmers are holding on to to wait and see what these markets are going to do? I, I think it's all over the board, and I, that's a horrible answer, and I understand that. But I think there was a lot of a lot of concern, you know, as the market went up, market, you know, farmers like, what do I do now? And then when it kind of, you know, kind of turned over, if you have it, and kind of headed to this this sideways pattern we've been in, it seems like for years, but it's only been several months. The farmers were like, well, now what do I do? And you know, I one of those prices I didn't do. Uh, what do I do? But I also know farmers who have been very aggressive um, and have sold a lot of corn, particularly corn, up front. Um, you know, and have 60, 80 percent of their corn sold. So I actually think it's all over the board at this point, and I think there's still quite a bit of corn that needs to be marketed and come to market um, that has to be, you know, that the market will have to deal with. And so um, the other piece of this, and I think, you know, think about not only farmers, what they've sold, but if you look at what the, you know, the non-commercial or the funds, however you want to label them, you know, they have really sold off a lot of their position. You know, they're not even close to holding the position they held last spring. And now they will argue that they're trend followers, and I get that. Uh, but, you know, if they get a, a whiff that, you know, yields aren't as good overall or, you know, there's there's some other demand picture coming, you know, they'll the story can be told by the people selling those funds. You know, you better get on now while you get a chance because it's cheap. So I think that's the other thing. The other little piece of there we haven't been, you know, I don't follow them, you know, I don't follow them every day. But you look at what's going on there and where their position is, you know, they've got a lot of, a lot of bullets yet to fire before it's all said and done. So you've got those decisions. Is is dry and store a, a, a good strategy yeah. right now? Yeah, I think there's, you know, you've got a little bit, you know, thinking about where the market is right now. You've got a little carry in the market for both corn and soybeans. Um, you know, it's not a full carry, you know, all the way out, um, but you could get into next summer and, you know, do that mathematic, do that math and say, can I store it? Can I sell it out there? You know, don't forget to execute on the other end of that. Can I store it for the cost that the market will, will pay me and make some money at it and go from there? Um, you know, that would be the option. I mean, that would be what you need to do to think about, you know, store it now and wait for it. But, I, you know, I would say, too, is, you know, stocks are so low on soybeans, um, and corn is fairly tight, too. Remember, we have grain stocks report coming up here in seven days, and, you know, how many times has that report sort of shocked us and go, oh, never mind, we don't have as many stocks as we had. Remember, in 14, you know, the USDA in June found 70 million acres, mm -hmm. and then they came back in September and said, oh, never mind, that's not there, and we had a, a sub-100, you know, carryout. So, you know, that's the other surprise that could come on before we get the October numbers. Yeah, those surprises can be very, very frustrating. That's for sure. How they find yeah. and lose yeah. a lot of a, a lot of bushels. Yeah, they do. And but that's also I always I always remind producers and and buyers for that matter too. You know, those are opportunities. You know, depend on your bias. And in some ways, it doesn't matter if if you would like to buy at a certain level or if you want to sell at a certain level. Put those orders in before those reports because, as we well know, we've seen these reports react violently right after the release of the report and then settle back down and you don't see that number again so they provide yeah. some while they're volatile provide some opportunity for you we will find out soon about the when this next report comes out steve always good to talk with you thank you very much no problems great to talk to you as always mike take care you too steve nicholson grain and oil seeds analyst for rabo agrifinance up next a harvest report. We'll go to St. Joe, Missouri. Talk with Gene Miller next on AOA. Adams on Agriculture brought to you by Cenex Premium Diesel. Cenex Premium Diesel. Diesel that doesn't mess around. Through the years, you've really kept up with the times. You're on social media. Like, like, dislike, block, 
maintained your health. 10,000 steps. I'm a beast. You even programmed your own smart home. In 10 minutes, remind me that I'm a genius. In 10 minutes, I'll remind you that you're a genius. If you can do all that, you can definitely save for retirement. Just go to aceyourretirement.org, a free online tool sponsored by AARP that can help you get on track with your retirement savings no matter your age. At aceyourretirement.org, you'll meet Avo, the friendly digital retirement coach. And in just three minutes, get personalized recommendations to help boost your retirement savings. They're easy to understand and work with your lifestyle. It's quick, easy, and free. Plus, it's brought to you by AARP, so you know they got your back. You are a genius. Take charge of your retirement. Go to aceyourretirement.org now. That's aceyourretirement.org. A message from AARP and the Ad Council. Vision loss is not something that you feel until it happens. Most people lose their vision from diseases like macular degeneration and glaucoma, not at birth. With macular degeneration, you lose your central vision. You have a blind spot right in the center of your face, so I can't actually see your face. So even that little circle in which I could see became a big blur. I was 65 when I first was diagnosed with glaucoma. There were no symptoms. I had no headaches. Three million Americans have glaucoma, and half don't even know it. 11 million people in the United States have macular degeneration. You lose mobility, independence, changes your entire life. So many eye disorders can be treated if caught early. My husband tells me that I have beautiful brown eyes, and I don't want to lose that. Make a plan today to get your eyes checked. Visit brightfocus.org to learn more. Choose the proven performance of the Roundup Ready Extend crop system, featuring high-yielding Extend Flex soybeans and the exceptional weed control of Extend to Max herbicide with Vapor Grip technology. Elite genetics, triple herbicide tolerance, flexibility that delivers results, backed by 25 years of innovation. That's the Roundup Ready Extend crop system, the system of choice. Extend to Max is a restricted-use pesticide. Always follow stewardship practices, all pesticide label directions, and check with your state pesticide regulatory agency for specific restrictions in your state. They say if you listen hard enough, you can hear the corn grow. It's true. When you're out in the field, you understand its challenges and what it needs to thrive. Channel Seedsmen bring insights from the field to our team of Bayer plant breeders. Their knowledge inspires our product development. From your best ground to your most challenging conditions, our products are designed to perform in your fields. Visit ChannelListens.com to see our latest innovations. Always read and follow IRM where applicable. Grain marketing and all other stewardship practices and pesticide label directions. Join us every Tuesday for Around the Table, brought to you by CHS, as we examine how the modern cooperative system solves today's biggest challenges. We'll be talking to CHS experts and farmers and ranchers just like you, and we'll learn how cooperatives apply innovation and technology to help co-op owners get more value every day. So join us for Around the Table every Tuesday, or visit cooperativeownership.com to learn more. These acres you've put your life into, your view each harvest morning. While the ag industry changes, this land is meant to be here for your grandkids and then theirs. That's why ADS and drainage contractors across the nation are doing our part to protect America's farm families. We're proud to provide water management solutions that make family farms like yours more profitable, now and for generations to come. Learn more about how we keep families farming at ADSPipe.com. For more than 135 years, the editors of Progressive Farmer have provided generations of farmers and ranchers with the information they need and trust to make informed and profitable decisions. We know you need that content delivered on multiple platforms, so it's available when you want it. That's why we created our weekly podcast called Field Posts. Join me, Sarah Mock, each week as I interview agriculture's top thought leaders, as well as farming's most diverse team of editors at Progressive Farmer and DTN on a wide range of subject matter. From farm policy and crop production to finances, technology, and so much more, you'll have a front row seat to learn and engage in what's happening in agriculture today. You can find the podcast listed on all your favorite podcast platforms, including Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Pandora, or by visiting our website at dtnpf.com backslash fieldposts.
Adams on Agriculture brought to you by Cenex Premium Diesel. With Cenex Premium Diesel, you can count on a diesel that will keep your operation in top shape. Information America's farmers and ranchers need to know on AOA. Now, back to Mike Adams. Well, let's get a harvest update. Let's go to St. Joe, Missouri. We talk with Gene Miller. Gene, how are you? How much uh, harvesting have you got done so far? Well, good morning, Mike. Well, uh, we've been moving right along. We've been in the field for about a week or 10 days, and I'd say we're getting close to, uh, well, 50% of the corn out uh, at our place, but there's there's still a lot of corn to field around this territory, but the the combines have been rolling pretty steady to strong in the cornfields the last uh, about the last week. What are your moisture levels? Moisture levels are coming down, and since I'm the combine operator, I can uh, look over there at that moisture sensor, and it looks like we're we're dropping about three tenths of a point per day uh, because we had sunshine, light winds, and of course now the temperatures have cooled down quite a bit from what they were a week ago. But uh, moisture is running in the 17 to 19 range uh, for the most part. Obviously, some longer season maturities uh, are still green, but the, the corn's really drying down. We were in some corn yesterday, one of our longest maturities, and it was testing right at 17 and a half, 18. So uh, it's drying down fairly quick, and uh, it's time to get it out because the stalks were so dry, and, and one variety particularly was very brittle, still standing great and uh, feeding in the combine great, but you can tell the stalks were uh, were very dry and very brittle, so it's time to get the corn out of the field. Are you happy with the yields? Oh, uh, mixed results there, Mike. Uh, we tie it back to one event on June the 26th when we uh, received uh, somewhere around nine inches of rain in a 48-hour period, and so it really diluted the, the nitrogen uh, because at a critical time right there, just the pollination and tassels were starting to show. And uh, we were able to get some uh, second pass nitrogen applied on about two-thirds of our acres uh, just, ahead, just ahead of that big downpour. And uh, there's obviously a big, big change there in the yields uh, between uh, – what didn't get uh, covered and what did, and I'd say their differential is about 40 bushels an acre, so it's quite a bit. How close are you to you to getting uh, beans ready? Are they turning pretty fast now? They're they're turning fast. Uh, we've had a you know a lot of heat units, and uh, so they're drying down pretty fast. I'd say our early maturities are about uh, oh, a week away from uh, harvesting, but that's about normal for our part of the world here. Uh, we, we grow mid-group threes to group fours, um, and they normally mature around the 1st of October. And uh, that's that's kind of the pace we're on right now. I think everybody's going to be anxious to get into the beans uh, and let the corn uh, maybe continue to dry down. But uh, the soybean situation around here, I think, is going to be a very much of a mixed bag because we had such a cold, wet May and very cold, actually. The beans were planted in good shape, most of them, but uh, they just didn't grow very fast. And so we got a lot of knee-high beans instead of, uh, you know, uh, closer to waist high. And so they're short, but there's a lot of pods. And so with soybeans, I can't tell you what the yield's going to do until you get a combine running in the field. Yeah, always hard to know there, right? I mean, they can fool you. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Last year we had some double-crop beans, that made 55 and 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 almost you know do it did as well as that full season so you never can tell on a soybean in this part of the world at least uh, they can they can surprise you and obviously we like to see a little bit uh, stretched out harvest season here so we don't want them all to mature at the same time well you're dealing with a few uh breakdown frustrations right uh, that's kind of par for the course <laughs> when you get into harvest Far- that's right. It's far for the course. Uh, you know, my son, he takes care of, uh, you know, the grain dryers and, and uh, the unloading systems and all that. He was about to pull his hair out because, you know, we had two dryers that refused to function. Uh, finally got one of them functional yesterday. 
And uh, so it's always, uh, you know, they sit there 11 months out of the year, and then you wonder why they don't work. And then then the steering machine decided it it had its lifespan uh, terminated, and and I had a short last night. I got a call about 9 o'clock. I said, you know, we got a fire out here. I said, what do you mean you got a fire? Well, he filled this bin with uh, dry corn, and the stirrator was running, uh, but it was an older unit, and apparently it shorted out, and it just enough heat to start uh, some corn to, to start to smolder. So uh, it was a close call, but, you know, it's one of those things you deal with. We're going to kiss that uh, unit off, and and uh, it'll be a bean bed next year, I think. Mm-hmm. It's always something. How's Every your for- seal, seal decided to leak on the combine last night, too, about quitting time. So it's yeah, always, there's always something when you're working. That's right. So how's your forecast? Pretty good? Forecast is very, very good. Uh, you know, we've had almost nonstop uh, harvest weather here, clear and dry and mild. Uh, and the outlook is to kind of continue that way. We don't have any major fronts uh, coming in that we're aware of. And uh, it's it's a case where, you know, too much of a good thing is too much of a good thing, I suppose. <laughs> but... Uh, you know, we're anxious to, you know, just keep, to kind of keep things going and keep everybody safe. All right. Yes. Be safe. Have a good rest of the harvest. We'll check in again later on and see you as you're closer to being done. Thanks, Gene. Okay. Thanks, Mike. Take care. Gene Miller farms in the St. Joe, Missouri area. Well, that's going to wrap it up for today. Just a quick note. Uh, Mike Pearson will be sitting in for me tomorrow. I'll be back on Monday and uh, we'll start getting reaction Monday from the biofuels industry to these reports that the Biden administration is going to significantly lower the uh, the volumes under the renewable fuel standard for uh, use of biofuels and this is going to be a big big story uh, for the biofuels industry. So we'll get reaction next week. Also that'll be one of the topics we'll talk about next Tuesday with Iowa Senator Charles Grassley. So some big stories. We'll keep you up to date. Of course, watching what happens with the tax and spending bills in Washington, D.C. as well. That does it for today, though. Thanks for joining us on AOA. Cenex Premium Diesel comes with a more complete additive package for a more complete burn to optimize performance in all engines. When you choose the Roundup Ready Extend crop system, you're putting proven yield advantage to work in your fields. Extend Flex soybeans offer elite genetics built on the proven performance of Roundup Ready to Extend soybeans. In fact, farmers saw a four bushel per acre advantage and a 70% average win rate over Enlist E3 soybeans in 2020 germplasm trials. The Roundup Ready Extend crop system, the system of choice. Always follow pesticide label directions, IRM, grain marketing, and all other stewardship practices. They say if you listen hard enough, you can hear the corn grow. It's true. When you're out in the field, you understand its challenges and what it needs to thrive. Channel Seedsmen bring insights from the field to our team of Bayer plant breeders. Their knowledge inspires our product development. From your best ground to your most challenging conditions, our products are designed to perform in your fields. Visit ChannelListens.com to see our latest innovations. Always read and follow IRM where applicable. Grain marketing and all other stewardship practices and pesticide label directions.